Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Feeling a little tired. Yeah, it's been kind of one of those weeks, I think. Glad it's the weekend, that's for sure. It, it is the weekend, and the weekend's not even done. No, that's the best part. This is the first long weekend I've had in a long time, and I am really enjoying it. Yesterday, I found that I was a little antsy because I didn't have anything planned. I didn't have anything to do, and my wife was like, hey, are you are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. It is weird. I don't know what, I don't know what to do with my hands. I just, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> Uh, but I'm making it through. I'm finding a way to survive freedom because this is America. Yeah, I really like it when you have those moments where uh, you, you're feeling sort of a- ambiguous pressure about, you, you know, w- whatever it is, whether it's work pressure or, you know, just day to day, everyday stresses. And you realize I-, I have a full extra day off tomorrow that no, no matter what else is supposed to happen. It's not supposed to happen tomorrow. Nope. And I'm going to Cabela's. Right. <laughs> Wait, when are we going to go fishing? Actually, I mean, we're going to talk about that later because I have been uh, on the in the hunt, in the midst of a second hunt, a hunt unrelated to what we're talking about today, uh, for a fly rod, for a new fly rod for salmon and steelhead. Like seven weight or eight weight or something. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm looking right now. And I'm, and we can talk about it a little bit more later. But Echo, I think, is where I'm gravitating towards. And I know we've, I mean, I've fished with you with Echo rods and um, still being fairly new to fly fishing. Couldn't really pick out the differences, but that seems to be where my hunt is leading. All roads lead to Echo at Dude, this Dude, that company is so freaking cool. Uh, so they've actually got a big factory. Uh, I say factory. I think it's more of a warehouse than a factory. And is it Vancouver? I mean, it's just north of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say Vancouver, I mean the... America this, version. The America version. The small suburb of Washington version of Vancouver. Um, Portland suburb. But they're just sort of everyday people I mean, you can go to their factory or i'm gonna i'm gonna keep saying factory but it's a warehouse you can go to their warehouse they've got you know a, a gal working orders in the corner and somebody else you know taking stock off shelves and um and, and they're happy to see you and they make really good fly rods they make i don't know probably as good as anything you could get at, at cabela's um they, they've got a pretty good variety of of rods they've got you know really sort of entry level base level stuff uh and and then they've got high end you know i don't know if they still collaborate with them but tim rajeff who's the you know world record casting guru coordinated with them really early on or or maybe he was part of the company i'm not sure and and forgive my ignorance on this but um you, you know they make fantastic top level fly rods but they also make accessible uh, I'm, I'm getting into this hobby you, you know I have, a, I have 150 bucks to spend what should I buy they, they make fly rods for that person too so really sort of in the vein of what we do here at 40 and 20 which is accessible really good top level stuff at, at, a, at an accessible entry point cool company love them um, and, and the reason I went to the Echo Warehouse is because I think the first day I 
went fishing. It's been about three years ago, but it was the first day I went winter steelhead fishing. Um, probably about 19 degrees on the Clackamas River. I found a great spot. Very cold. Pulled my rod out of the out of the sleeve. Got everything set up. Back casted, forward casted, and the rod snapped in the middle. Um, temperature the the full meal. I had ice sort of already forming around. It was cold. Um, but broke my rod first cast, and I thought, well, I've got to fix this. F- fortunately, being in Oregon, it was just a trip down the freeway. But called them up and said, hey, I, sn- I snapped a rod, and they were like, come on in, we'll replace it. And sure enough, I, I, I walked it up there. They gave me a new rod. Cool company. Love them. That's really cool. Yeah, and it was the same day. I, I walked in. I gave them the old rod. They gave me the new one. Now, not everybody who's listening to this is going to have that luxury. But um, but I think you, that speaks to the value of a company I and mean, the value of a brand that they're willing to just replace it. No questions. I mean, you could have closed that shit in your door. You could have broke it over your knee. Right. Yeah, totally. And, 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 and you know, I think if you're, if you're able to ship it back to them, you know, you're going to pay, what, 30 bucks to ship the rod or, or at least the section. And, and, you know, depending on how old the rod is, you may, you may need to ship the whole thing, but yeah, super good service. Great company. Echo. You should do that. Yeah. There it's pretty high on my list of things to do. Are you going to do a switch or single hand? Single hand. Okay. All right. I'm not to a place in my uh, fly fishing journey to be going beyond that. I'm so, I almost I, think that's a better time to go to, I, I almost think that's a better time to switch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I say switch, switch to switch because the the nice thing about uh not having developed uh a ton of experience is w- with a single-handed rod is that you don't know any difference so if you just True. start with uh uh the versatility of a switch rod you can cast it like a single hand or you can you know get that second hand involved and get these more complex snap tee or whatever um casts get that extra distance if you're learning it's like a kid learning another language if that's how you learn it's going to be easier well, great. Now my semi-made-up mind has just, <laughs> has just changed dramatically. You, you know, the last time we went out on the Mackenzie, we brought my friend John's Echo switch rod. Yeah. Uh, and I think we both used it. So, you know, whether you know it or not, you I don't. used an Echo switch rod. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. So that's on my that's on my to-do list of of new things to purchase. And I was watching major league fishing today, which I didn't, which I, I knew was a thing. Uh, I knew that bass fishing has um, grown to such a point that they can be, have a, have a major league. Uh, and I was watching with my son cause it was fairly early in the morning. And um, <clears throat> I've taken him out fishing a couple of times with this paw patrol rod. And I, I just, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever forget it. He, he watched these guy, this guy pull, pull a bass on the, on the boat. And he goes, daddy, he caught a fish. Now he gets to go home. And I was like, oh, no, buddy. Oh, no, buddy. The addiction is deeper. And it was actually pretty cool to watch. I mean, it was... That's when we got started. It was... It was the, the way they covered it was, was actually uh, impressive, even for somebody who... Uh, I think somebody who wouldn't enjoy watching fishing would enjoy watching it. They did a really good job jumping from boat to boat. And these guys are out on this bash... On, on, this, on this lake bass fishing pulling in pulling in fish and they you're watching the interaction you're watching this guy talk about why he's fishing where he's fishing you're watching the struggle that he's going through and you're watching the guy in first place just fucking kill it he was slaying he had 20 pounds of bass caught and the last guy had no fish and he was just disheartened and you got to see this underdog story where you see this guy like like catch catch a three pound bass and then a two pound bass and suddenly he's in sixth place instead of tenth place and and watching these guys pulling these one pound fish was 
pretty impressive when you see him pull on a three, three and a half pound fish. And they do a good job with analysts in there and this fella out on another bass boat on the lake talking about what's going on. I think they did a really good job it's somehow what, finding a way to sports cover bass fishing. Better produced than you expected. Way better produced. Yeah. Such, Entertain, the entertainment value is there, even though it's a stupid, boring thing to watch on TV. I'd watch it again. Right. <laughs> I'd watch it again. Even you, not you being know, a bass fisherman. I've never fished for bass, no, but I'd watch it and again. Bass fishing is such a weird thing, too. Uh, totally different than what you and I primarily do, which is which is single-hand trout fish. Yeah. Trout fly fishing. Um, yeah, I mean, totally different than that. You know, they're using different lures. They're diff- using different equipment. They're using different... Uh, uh, you know, most of the time they're using sort of boats on, on open water, flat water. And a and... dozen rods on the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. This actually ties in kind of nicely to what we're talking about today. How the fuck does this tie into what we're talking about I wish today? I wish I could take credit for having planned that. <laughs> it was incidental because this was one of the other things I liked that I was going to discuss, but we went for it up front. Um, it ties in really well, in a way, uh, to what we're talking about today, which is The Hunt. For a, a hunt. for a new watch that neither of us have ever seen a, seen or heard of and could realistically buy today. And I have to tell you, not buying the watch that I found was a bit of a struggle. We've actually talked this week about the fact that like I could I could I could buy this watch. I don't know I, if I it's could even, get this right now. I could I could get this today. I could pull the trigger and buy it today. Well and to clarify, you didn't have to find a watch that I'd never heard of or, or no no no. Yeah. For for each our own. We each undertook the hunt for ourselves. We dove into the internet. We dove into forums and I don't know, I can't describe what your search looked like because I imagine it was a, had to be a little deeper than mine. Um but I think that we both it, it involved a lot of internet yeah, internet. I mean, we both we both went through our normal process of searching for things, mm. um, mm-hmm. which I think is a was a good exercise for both of us because I think we both get fixated on things that we like yeah. and get stuck there and hung up on it. Well, I think it was you know it's Saturday now. I think <clears throat> we had planned this episode last Saturday, and it was about Wednesday. I texted you something to the effect of I. I know all the watches. I can't do this. It's like, I, yeah, right, motherfucker. You can find one. And lo and behold, here you have found one. And it was maybe a little bit easier I for me. I found two even. I found two. I thought, gosh, I, these are watches that I've never heard of. And, and actually, kind of surprised that I haven't heard of them because these are both freaking cool watches. I, I cut one of them. I might mention it as an honorable mention. but I found four, and it was today that I narrowed my list down to one. And interestingly enough, all four of them all fit kind of in the same vein and we can get into it a little bit later but same category or whatever the same yeah the same vein of watch brand and i think it really i think it just it it stood out into the type of watches that i wasn't really familiar with um well what what about i mean what about the process before we get into the watches themselves what how did you go about finding a watch that you've never heard of so the so my process was hitting my my first search was uh, I think I googled unknown quality watch brands, and that brought up a whole list of brands. And it, it brought up every website, every men's fashion, every gear to watch, every every type of every type of website like that. Everyone's done an article on here's 31 watch brands you haven't heard of. Here's 15 watch brands you haven't heard of. Here's 10 watches that you ought to buy for under 200 bucks. Uh, so I started going through those, combing through those, and I'm like, okay, well, I've, I'm, I'm familiar with this watch brand. I'm familiar with this watch brand. Uh, I started integrating Watch You Seek and, and other 
other forums into into it and looking at affordable watch reviews as a Google search. Um, and just kind of paring down my list from there until finally I found a watch brand that I wasn't familiar with. Um, saw it, looked through their portfolio, looked through their entire catalog of watches and was either underwhelmed or unimpressed or they just didn't speak to me. They, they just weren't quite quite what I was looking for. Okay, cool, I'd found a watch brand I wasn't familiar with, but I didn't find a watch that I could, that I would realistically buy this week. Uh, and it, <clears throat> I found a whole lot of those, a whole lot of watches that I was like, oh, cool, now I know this exists, but now what? I mean, it doesn't do any good for the purpose of this exercise. I don't, it's not a watch I want to buy. So, sure. I mean, and, and I think the purpose of this exercise at least for for listeners who are uh, getting to reap the benefits of it, was to kind of see what that watch hunt looks like. And for me, it looked like an intense Google search uh, <laughs> of all the Google of affordable watch brands, of quality affordable watches, of uh, perusing in the in the real definition of peruse watch forums. Yeah, peruse, that's one of those words that people think it means almost the opposite of what it actually means. Really the opposite of what it means. Right, people think peruse means like skim. Like peruse this, is you know, skim through this. No, that's not what it means. It means look at this in detail. Yeah. We are on a mission to make sure people correctly use the word peruse. And maybe later in our in our journey, we can talk about phenomena and phenomenon. That's a personal pet peeve of mine. The funk phenomenon. Yeah. But not that's not the personal pet peeve. Regardless, um, it you know was... the other one. The other one that gets me is sundry. People say a sundry of. Mm-hmm. It's not a sundry of. It's just sundry options. And and it, in fact, I think sundry is one of those words that's been misused so uh, prolifically that that now that the use has the misuse has taken over to become an accepted use i think peruse fits that phenomena phenomenon fit that i yeah. think and language language is we've, a, an evolution we've, we've screwed it up we've screwed it up so many times that now the screwed up the screwed up version is acceptable i want to teach my my kid his left and right are backwards i want him to raise his right hand and say i'm left-handed <laughs> <laughs> all truth is relative not really <laughs> Some things are facts. Some things are facts. Anyway. Um, Fake news. <laughs> so that was mine. It was it was armed with some knowledge of watches to go into the, the bowels of the internet and search for something I was unfamiliar with. And using the tools that I already knew I had at my disposal, something like Watch You Speak, Watch You Seek, or Watch You Reddit. Speak is the new website coming coming to you coming from soon. Forty and Twenty. Yeah, Forty, 40 and Twenty. Yep, Spring of Twenty Nineteen. <laughs> uh, Watch You Seek, Reddit, the Google, uh, Amazon, just just anything that would would have a database of already existing watches. Um, actually, in Amazon's, uh, people also bought was a helpful tool um being able to look to related products that i might not be familiar with it wasn't especially helpful for me um, but it might be helpful for someone who's embarking on their first watch search their first watch hunt to see related products things that they maybe haven't seen before that people have also bought i mean i think that's a good tool i don't know if i've ever ever bought anything off amazon on the 
people have also bought because typically when I'm going to Amazon to pull the trigger, you know I'm, what you're looking for. I'm going. Yeah, like I, yeah. I know the reference number. I know what I'm buying when I go to Amazon, which is how I go to stores, how I buy cars. Like by the time I'm ready to pull the trigger, like I'm 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 walking in to make a purchase. I'm not walking in to shop. Right. You're not going somewhere and say, Tell 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 me what to buy. You know what to buy. Yeah. You just need to find the place that has the best price. And frequently I like, yeah, now I'll know more about what i'm buying than the person trying to sell it to me like look don't Ugh, talk to me worst stop stop the when i stop bought my when i bought my last truck i i was in at the car car dealership and the guys the guy asked me okay what are you looking for and i said well i want to test drive this model i want to test drive this car and i want to do this and he goes oh it's really nice to have somebody who knows about trucks to be buying it because i don't know a whole lot about them i was like look bro all I the only reason I need you here is because I can't get the key myself. Also, I don't know about trucks. I just know about the truck that I want to buy. So if you would please pull it up front so I could test drive it. That too. And in fairness, I didn't buy the truck that I went to buy because the new the the brand new I w- I was buying in March, and the previous year's models were still in the lot. I went to buy. That guy was playing possum. He played you. I, you got played. I I paid like three thousand dollars more. For a truck with eighty-eight miles on it, I I only paid three thousand more. Everett, you can oh. get a used day just for the for the amount of money you paid. On your I get a couple. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, three thousand. Okay, uh, for so, the difference. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, but I can't get a used day just for the amount of miles that I've put on it. So anyway, that was how I embarked on my hunt using leveraging the internet as a tool for for finding things, and and a lot of it came down to. Um, the, the the keywords uh affordable watch brands um and what i came down to was a handful of brands that all fit in the same category none of them are doing in-house movements they're all buying japanese movements and then putting them in their design their dial their watches under their brand name so we're we're actually at 40 and 20 bringing you guys some revolutionary information here but the japanese do pretty good movements shocking we didn't know about that before we started this but now we know and and over the course of this one thing that i did learn was how affordable uh just the movement itself is for japanese courts i mean they'll range in price from 10 from 10 bucks for uh for a for a reasonable miyota movement right uh to be able to buy in bulk and put in your designed watch even a ronda i mean even the swiss quartz movements i mean those things you you know it's interesting to me to see the price disparity in finished product watches you you know be it from a a company like seiko which sells watches with their own movements or uh you you know uh, with these quartz micro brand you know these quartz kickstarter micro brand watches that you you know we're going to sell you a junk movement for a hundred dollars less versus a ronda you know, and you're paying a real premium for a Rondo when it, it's 10 bucks difference on mm-hmm. the, on eBay. I, I could get that movement for $10 more. It's crazy. Yeah. So you just add $10 to your purchase and plug in your Rondo movement to that watch. That but you these companies aren't doing that. They say, oh, no, but you have to do that. You have to do that as the consumer. It, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so my, my search is a little bit different and, and, and we talked about this kind of early in the week. And part of the reason is, I think that I maybe follow the I'm I'm maybe a little bit more of an aggressive miner than you are in terms of my my internet mining. I spend probably too much time every week on watch who seek forums or on Reddit, um, 
tracking, you know, what's new on Kickstarter, what's sort of new and upcoming from these micro brands. Um, and so just in my, just in my day to day internet travels, I come across probably quite a bit of the, the new cool stuff coming out. So this, this episode was tough for me. You, you proposed this idea and I thought, oh yeah, that sounds fun. And then you know, halfway through the week, I was like, "This isn't really fun." I, I'm feeling, well, I'm feeling like this is this is a harder um, a, a harder subject than I than I wanted. Uh, I, I did find a couple resources that actually um, made it easier. the The first one was thetimebutton.com. This guy, I, I don't know him at all. I've never met him, um, but he he has a blog called thetimebum.com. Am I getting that right? Boobies. So he's got a blog called thetimebomb.com, thetimebomb.com. Easy to find, and if you're and if you're into it, uh, you probably already know him. Uh, but he, I don't think there's anyone else running an independent blog who does as much sort of independent review of new and upcoming watches and models. Uh, his his reviews are all super thoughtful. Um, he takes good pictures. I mean, they're not the best pictures on the internet, but they're but they're really very good. He gets great sharpness, good detail, good 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 sort of macro level detail. Um, not afraid to you know he's an independent he's an independent blogger. I don't know if he makes some or any money off of off of this venture, but I don't think there's anybody out there making more thoughtful uh, thoughtful sort of new specific new watch reviews than than timebomb.com that was a fantastic resource for me and, and in fact i found a, a watch that didn't make my final list but that led me to my final list on timebomb um but but really i had to sort of be more more uh diligent about my mining because i couldn't you know going to going to the same articles that you pulled up you know 10 15 or 10 watch brands you've never heard of uh, I've read those articles um or 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 I've read about those brands through some other medium so that I found that to be a little um it, it's only frustrating in the context of trying to make mm-hmm. of trying to make uh this episode happen um n- not frustrating in the grand scheme of things uh the, the 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 other thing I did is I found um the other thing I did is I went to a couple of different watchmakers that have really deep catalogs and I scrolled through um, best-selling reverse order. Y- yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and in fact, yeah, the uh, the the watch I finally ended on uh, comes from a Chinese company that uh, has a phenomenal catalog, a tremendous, tremendously deep catalog. And you, you know, scrolling through there and sort of getting through the chaff uh, to to find a watch. Uh, it wound up being a pretty fun process, and then I, and then at the end of the day, I had two watches. I thought, well, these are two different watches that uh, I'd never heard of. Uh, in one case, I've heard of the maker, and the other I hadn't. Um, but in any event, the each of the watches in and of themselves were something so unique and so different um, that I thought this is cool, and and I'm having a hard time deciding between the two. Ultimately, I picked one, and, and mostly I picked it based on price. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the watches was probably more expensive than something I'd feel comfortable buying r- right now, and the and the other one's closer to that. So, cool. Yeah. What'd you pick? Well, so I picked a watch. Uh, uh, good, good lead in. I picked a watch from a company called Siegel. 
Siegel, I think, is the largest manufacturer of watches in the world. I don't know that for sure. And if it isn't, it's a very widely known watch brand by people who are interested in watches. Well, and, and I think in China, it's sort of the watch brand, right? You know, you know China's got a handful of watch brands, but Siegel is, makes tons and tons and tons and tons of watches. Uh, and they make a handful of watches that I think are are sort of cool mainstream watches. We've talked about the 1963 a lot. It's actually up on the computer right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and and that's that got in into my consciousness through HK Ed. But but that's really that's a Siegel watch, and it's a historical Siegel watch. Um, but but yeah, so so a company that just makes a ton of watches, and and there's a ton of people in China. Like there's more than a ton. More than a ton. Yeah, there's a couple tons worth of people in China. So uh, this is a watch that I'd never heard of. And and actually, I'm kind of surprised that I haven't heard of it. This is called the 51 or the Siegel Wu Yi. My my daughter is learning Chinese. Well, both of my children are learning Chinese, but my daughter's a little older. She's got a little bit better grasp of the language. And I asked her, what what does Wu Yi mean? She kind of looked at me funny and means May, May 1st, maybe. Uh, which is exactly right. Which oh, look at that. Nailed it. Which the monies are paying off. <laughs> it's public school, man. <laughs> um, so nailed it, basically. Knew exactly what it means. May 1 is the Chinese uh, day where they celebrate the labor movement. I think it's similar to our Labor Day. I won't over talk that because I don't know a ton about it. Um, this is actually... And, and you'll have to forgive me. Someone out there listening is going to know more about this than I do. I and, hope so. And you're going to correct me on this. And please do, because um, the reading about this watch, it, it seems like there's a lot of hyperbole in the lore about this watch. But this is a watch that is a direct descendant of the very first wristwatch sold in China. The, okay. There was four dudes in Tianjin, China who got together and decided to start making watches in or about the early 1950s. They made this watch, this watch, the very first watch, wristwatch in China. In the um, 50s? In the 50s, right? Which is crazy to me. How's that possible? And and I think that we think of China as this um, very well-developed manufacturing and technologically um, advanced culture. But, you know, that's a fairly new development. In, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but yeah, so this is a direct descendant of the first wristwatch. Wrist watch That's made a hard in, word to say. It's fair. This is a descendant of the first watch made in China. Four guys in Tianjin. It it was kind of short-lived. It didn't it didn't go a whole lot of time before I think Dongfeng revived it with a little bit different flavor. And, and then eventually... <laughs> full full on on air collapse <laughs> dong feng <laughs> okay all right so uh, later uh you, you know uh, eventually sort of remade by a different company in the 70s i think uh revived by siegel that at that point sort of the new national watch company siegel this is a reissue of that watch. This is the Siegel 1951, or not 1950. This is the Siegel 51 Wu Yi reissue. And I think this was reissued in 2015, so it's a couple years old now. Um, but 
I can't believe I haven't found this watch because it's so freaking cool. It is, and it it's it's beautiful. It's got that gold dial. It's got the red, the red in the second hand. I mean, so the first thing I notice about this watch <clears throat> is the logo. This stylized circular fifty one logo, which is both retro and super modern. Uh, the stylized five overlaid on the one. It, this does not look to me like a you, you know Mm-mm. cheap Chinese type. This is a, a Madison Avenue type of of logo. Really cool sixties. You know that that sort of mid century flavor to it. Uh, the size on this is great. Thirty eight millimeters, eleven millimeters thick with a with a domed crystal or a semi domed crystal. Sapphire brushed metallic dial. It's got this, you know, what I'd call a sunburst champagne dial. Uh, this thing is unapologetically Chinese, uh, without a doubt. Unapologetically, the, I, I'm pretty sure that the that the characters on the on the lower half of the dial read "Made in Tianjin, China." Um, you, you know, unapologetically Chinese. I think is the best way to put it. But very modern, very classic, a timeless sort of of timeless sort of appeal i i think and, and, and you're right that second hand that red tip on the second hand that big sort of arrow i love it and even being unapologetically chinese no one looking at that watch on your wrist would recognize it as such it yeah. looks it it is not it's it's not loud it's not bold it's a really simple gold dial uh really classic markers on it it <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it's not like the 1963 where you get this sort of there's no red star, there's no yeah it, vibe. But but within you know even with that, 51 is this celebration mm-hmm. of the Chinese labor movement. Uh, so, so so it's both things. One, it is uh, very Chinese, but but aesthetically, it's it's not doing the same type of thing that the 1963 is. So you you, you know I think your point is you could put this on wear it downtown and no one's going to no one's going to look twice at it i I mean just a watch person and then you found a friend that's right find a friend uh other thing i love about this the watch the the engraving on the case back it's got that chinese really angular screw off case back but the engraving on it is very spartan uh it's it's got that same 51 logo um, but it's not heavily stylized. The font is this like kind of oversized sans serif, um, made in China, made in Tianjin, China. Um, it's just like simple in all the ways that I want to watch to be simple, but be- but beautiful in this really uh, understated way. And on that on that view, you can see how what a clean transition it is to the crown. There's no. It's just it's a really flush crown. It, it's. I, that stood out to me immediately when I was looking at the case back to it. It was, it's, it, it just, just is flush to it. It's clean. It doesn't stand out. It doesn't look like it's going to snag on anything. It's a, I mean, a, like you said, a, a very unapologetically Chinese utilitarian watch. Now, and, and so just looking at this watch, right, really aesthetically pleasing. Uh, it, it's polished in all the right places, brushed in all the right places, uh, it, it, nothing, nothing about it is over the top. Um, you, you know, I think if I was going to criticize it, the the one criticism I'd have, just criticism I'd have, just 
looking at it top down. It's got a white date wheel on an otherwise really understated, fairly dressy dial. I think that white date window takes a little bit something away for me. Um, but, you know, your mileage may vary on that. I think it has the Chinese charm. Yeah, yeah. No, there's something about that. Now, here's where things get interesting. Uh-oh. That's got an ST2130 movement in it, which is Siegel's sort of middle-high movement. It's a 28-8-beat-per-minute frequency. It's got a high-beat movement in it. That is going to have a very smooth, sweeping second-hand, automatic, tried-and-true ST2130 movement. This thing's freaking cool. You, you, You put in a cheaper you know, maybe a hand cranker or any other 21.6 beat movement in here, and it's still going to be a cool watch. Add that 21.30, and all of a sudden this watch is a sleeper. At 200 bucks. so I've got this pulled up on goodstuffs.com, good-stuffs.com. I don't know this website. I, I think it's credible-ish. It's got free shipping. Free shipping. That means it's good. No, I think this is a fine website. Uh, I, I sort of looked around. You can get this for I think two twenty five from Siegel directly. Uh, I'd I'd feel comfortable personally. I'd feel comfortable. You know your mileage may vary. But your mileage may vary. I'd feel comfortable ordering it from GoodStuffs.com for twenty five bucks less or whatever. But two hundred bucks twenty eight eight. Yeah. Dress watch, perfect size, beautiful, cool history. I mean, how many watches have? the level of history that this one does a direct descendant of the very first wristwatch in china i'm not i'm not um into chinese watches any more than the next guy i'm not particularly interested in chinese watches but the history of this i think is as cool as any other watch history that i've heard um a history alone warrants a conversation and a piece in a collection i mean i mean it's it's up there in in my mind with the poljot or the uh strella Right. Yeah, the 3133 3133 chronograph movements or um you, you know, it's it's not it's not like uh Paul Newman Daytona or something, but cool. Uh, yeah. A cool cool on its on its in its own right. So, I really like this. I think it's neat. This is the watch I picked. And within the confines of this exercise of a watch you're unfamiliar with and could buy today. I mean, there's plenty of watches that I'm sure we both came across that we were unfamiliar with that couldn't we couldn't buy today. We're not even talking right. <laughs> 10 sales pitch. Uh, we're talking 10 years of sales pitches and a couple lottery wins. And and then like then, then it's a reasonable conversation. But for a for a, an everyday, I think you could even, even almost call this like a beater. Just a watch you throw on your wrist and you could wear it almost in any circumstance. I mean, short of short of doing yard work. Well, and, 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 you know, God forbid something gets stolen or, or you lose something or whatever. But if this gets stolen, it's not it's not going to break your heart. You you can save up 200 bucks and get another one or 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 just say, gosh, I really enjoyed the time I had with that cool yeah. watch. You know, it's it's not a heartbreaker. You're not going to get special insurance for it. Um, you know, <clears throat> so, so your point's well taken. Right. This is and, and if you had sixty thousand dollars to spend on a watch that you'd never heard of i think this exercise becomes a lot different than it was for you or i very and, and we didn't send a price limit but you know i think we, we did were... in the way of a watch that we could realistically buy today right right so so the no no actual dollar figure amount but but we want something we wanted to find something that 
is accessible immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, I picked uh, I, I picked two watches that I that I kind of narrowed down. And this one because I could buy this today, and and my wife might get mad, but you know she's not going to leave me. Probably, probably not. Not over not over that. I mean, the other watch maybe right. <clears throat> so, well, I mean, I th- I think if I think if you're staying south of three hundred, it's a conversation of hey. I got this watch. I did this thing. I did this thing. <laughs> Ever we're, we're we're still gonna we're still gonna be able to pay the rent. Like all of our <laughs> bills remain paid. I just you know that's the watch I'm gonna buy for a while. We we'll just have to take it on easy on the Olive Garden this month. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'll bring over more beer. We can you know we can mitigate costs that way. And <laughs> so I didn't order this, but I think it's it's definitely yeah. on my short list. Uh, the twenty eight the twenty eight eight beats per minute movement for me was the was the the tipping point into holy shit this is cool that's a game changer how is this that i have not run into this watch uh seagull as a brand i think is controversial um and maybe maybe recently more controversial than historically it was you know they've i don't know enough about the way chinese businesses work to speak with any sort of authority on this topic but i understand that Siegel is not the same type of business as, say, uh, Shinola is here, you know, where it's not a centrally located operation with top-down management structures. How it's different, I don't know. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's something we can talk about in another episode after we have an opportunity to educate ourselves. But all that to say, Siegel, as a company has released some watches that are controversial in our community, which is to say the microbrand, sort of affordable microbrand community. I think Avig Watches, very cool company, very cool watches. Avig Watches was working with a Siegel OEM to make some new watches. And, and I don't know what happened. I don't know all the details. I think if you Google this, you'll be able to find more than I could ever tell you. But there's some controversy about Siegel probably taking designs from Avig and marketing them as their own watch before Avig brought those watches to market. That sounds like good business to me. <laughs> Sketchy as fuck is what it is. Uh and and yucky, right? It's I think everybody who who reads about this or knows about this can agree it's yucky. So within that is Siegel a a bad company? Siegel's huge. Siegel is this huge, huge company that runs much differently than than American businesses or Western businesses. So I don't know if that's if I'm saying that by way of apology for having picked the Siegel watch that, you know, knowing what I know about things that Siegel has done. I know Siegel works works with a ton of companies. HK Ed, for instance, that, you know, HK Ed, I think, is one of the coolest guys in the biz. Uh, and his watches are great, and and I would hate to let that take away from what he's doing. This is a Seagull Seagull watch, so maybe that can take away. I don't know. Your mileage may vary. I love this watch. I think it's cool, and I think that's all I have to say about it. What about you? What do you got? I'm glad that's all you got to say about that because I've got something in a little bit different vein. I've got a Jack Mason racing chronograph. Jack Mason. Yeah, and it is... Uh, as we talked about earlier, it is one of the companies that's buying Japanese movements, uh, designing their own watches, plugging a third-party movement into their watch and making attractive um, movements with a or attractive watches with 
quality quartz movements on it. And and really what I what I was going for in this was in my exercise of finding a watch that I wasn't familiar with that I could reasonably buy, I was pretty much resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to find a super cool, super special watch. So I I almost deliberately went into this vein of watch brands buying a third party movement and designing a just a good looking watch a watch that could that i could throw on my wrist that's going to look good that i know is going to work for five to ten years maybe more but if it dies in five years i'm not going to be especially disappointed and that's what i came up with i came up with this racing chrono with this cool leather strap on it um and that was really my driver was finding an aesthetically pleasing watch that told me the time that would just be a, a daily banger into, into my lineup of watches that might not get wrist time every day or even every week, but would land on my wrist occasionally. And I would feel good about wearing it. It's an American company. They're based out of uh, Texas. It was two guys who wanted to start a watch company. And uh, this is what they came up with. They're buying Japanese quartz movements. And I, like I've, like I've talked about, I'm, I, I don't have any, <clears throat> any, reservations about quartz movements i mean they're extremely accurate they're they're uh, you know at their time you know as as the watch uh interested people have evolved quartz movements peaked and then quickly took a dip and we're in a we're in an era of people appreciating automatics and it's got to be the, this beautiful craftsmanship and I'm totally cool with a watch being just on the technology of, of still still hanging its laurels on the technology of quartz. Um, well, I think that there's I, I think there's something to be said for uh, you, you know different levels of of watch appreciation. You, you know the there's this I, idea that when you don't know anything about watches you think rolex is the coolest watch because it's got a sweeping hand and rolex is the only brand that's got a sweeping second hand that's everyone right. knows that everybody knows that and then as you get into watches you drift away from that um because you can't a, afford it <laughs> a because you can't afford it and and b because uh you find that there's this whole world of watches that aren't rolex that are really cool um and, and i think that that's true at whatever price point you're coming in at um you know, there's cooler six thousand dollar watches, and and then there's sure as hell cooler ten or twenty five thousand dollar watches, but but eventually, people come back to Rolex because they do really good things. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, they they have this entire in house ecosystem. Um, they really do drive a lot of the trends in in modern watchmaking, and they do it in a really well um in in a really refined and attractive and simple way so you you know eventually those people who eschew rolex at some level come back and say gosh this is actually pretty cool and i and i like what they've done here even if you're not gonna buy a a rainbow daytona you you still might realize that um actually the Datejust is one of the coolest watches that's ever been made or 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 whatever it is you know Mm -hmm. it might not be the Datejust. maybe it's a mil sub whatever I think the same thing is true for quartz. I think that when people don't know anything about watches, they buy quartz watches just because that's what you can find by and, and they're large. typically affordable. They're affordable um and and pragmatically speaking, you can't buy a more accurate watch than a quartz watch. I mean, maybe 
um, a spring drive or something like that is gonna is gonna be approaching that level. But for seven thousand bucks entry level on a spring drive, you know I can go to Walmart and get a F ninety one W for fifteen bucks. Oh, you're gonna come across a thousand quartz movements before you reach at at price points before you reach the first automatic movement even, at the same even price. more than that right yeah. right right so so that's the point is, is that that eventually you know most people when they come into the watch world decide oh, i like automatics because automatics are cooler mm-hmm. um and and maybe i'm maybe i'm misphrasing that and in fact i i would say watching you sort of develop into your into your appreciation of watches i think that you have kind of uniquely eschewed that um that shift away you've always dug eco drive you've always dug uh you know quartz movements in, in a way and i was guilty of it when i started looking at watches there was probably uh, a period of time where i would not have even looked at a quartz watch and, and even today you know i've got we were just goofing around with my my seiko bfk and the tick on that thing still bugs me a little bit um there's other things that bug me about that watch it's kinetic which is kind of a pig in terms of you know it's a little heavy. battery yeah. life well it's heavy and 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 just keeping it charged up i find cumbersome but um the tick of the second hand has always bugged me a little bit um because i i made that decision pretty early on that automatics were cooler uh, or, or mechanical movements were cooler so but i think at some point people start to shift back you know uh, especially with chronographs the the mecha quartz movements i I don't i i think in 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 terms of chronographs in particular that mecha quartz movement is doing things just like a mechanical watch but with the with the added benefit of quartz crystals and battery power um it's pretty cool the technology is great uh the development of the tech the development of the technology is great um and and this i think is an, an iteration of that that philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think so. It's a it's a chronograph. It's an affordable chronograph. What's the price on it? One, the the normal retail is, is what this says, but I think these are are typically a little bit more than that. Typical retail is at two seventy five on there, and it's it's a good looking chronograph. It's got that white dial. It's got the two black sub dials and a and a like a sunburst silver uh, sub dial for for the minutes, and it's. It's just a good looking chronograph. And that was kind of, that was really where I was looking just for, for a watch that I could realistically buy today that, that looks good, um, and is affordable. And I came across a a handful of, of watches all in, in this price category, which I, which I, I didn't plan on, but just happened in this, in this, uh, kind of niche, niche micro brand of of folks who are buying these japanese quartz movements to drop into their their designed watches whether it be armagon or aviate or triwa they're all just these companies who are utilizing this resource at their disposal to create and and corner their piece of the market of this highly competitive and highly saturated market that is watches and and I ended up gravitating towards very unintentionally uh, for chronographs of companies like this who are using, I, th- I think three of them were using the exact same movement and all what it came down to was their design of, of how they presented it to the consumer. And this is what I ultimately settled with in a, in a good looking chronograph that I know isn't 
going to be the the state-of-the-art technology. I know it's not going to be the best watch that I own, and nor will it be the best watch that I will ever own, but it's a for, for the purposes of this exercise, it's a an attractive, aesthetically pleasing, reliable, affordable watch. Well, and I don't see that it's any different than what uh, Dan Henry is doing. No. <clears throat> you know, Dan Henry is a company that gets lots of play on the forums and, and on Reddit and um, has, the, has the street cred. And I think part of that is because Dan Henry, the person actually named Dan Henry, is one of the most diligent uh, watch collectors probably in the world and has more experience handling vintage watches than just about anybody alive but but with but except for that piece of of his brand you know except for that part of what his brand is he's making cheap chinese watches with japanese movements and and selling them for not a lot of money and they look so good and they look fantastic uh, the people who have them love them. If they break, you call him up and he fixes it. You know, and I don't know about I don't know about Jack Mason's customer service, um, but but what I do know is that they're in that good price point. They're not overcharging. They are are selling affordable watches that look good, that have quality movements. I will say it bothers me when I go to their webpage and I can see Japanese movement. Racing chronograph, 42 millimeters, movement, Japanese quartz. Well, I, I assume that means Miyota. Almost certainly. Or Seiko. Probably Jap- or probably probably Miyota. The other the other three that I was looking at were were all using Miyota. Um And that's it, and that's fine. But just tell me what fucking movement it is. I don't care I don't care what it is. That's reasonable. And just one thing tell me what it is. One real gripe I have about this website is that when using a Mac there's not an X on their subscribe to our newsletter <laughs> newsletter uh, function. It pops up when you click on the watch, and you can't close the, the damn the thing. The best thing that's happened tonight is watching you, Andrew. You gotta. I'm <laughs> clicking all over the place like a crazy, like a, like a troglodyte, and I, I ultimately ended up backing out because that was the only way to close the subscribe to our newsletter function, <laughs> which bother like was bothersome. Well, looking at the watch itself, uh, I'll say uh, there's nothing particularly. Um, it, 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 there's nothing particularly earth-shattering about it. Pedestrian. It, I wouldn't call it pedestrian though, because the the styling on the the styling on the on the subdials, um, the font has this really nice uh, throwback look to it. You know, I would call that a '60s sort of font. Um, the the date window is is tucked in you almost don't see it unless you're looking for it um it's a little bit busy but but not in a way that's offensive to me at least it's busy in the way a chronograph ought to be that's right that's right i i really like this crown i really like this uh knurling on Mm -hmm. the crown and the there's some detailing on the end of the crown that is also uh yeah it's it's a signed it's a signed star crown i mean it's i mean it, it looks like the the converse all-star crown on it, it it's a good looking watch it's but it's nothing earth shattering it, it, it's i i think pedestrian's appropriate for it it no no one's going to compliment you on your watch and no one's going to look at it and no one no one compliments me on my watch anyway that's fair but no one's also going to look at it and be like Ooh, what the fuck are you wearing that for um but yeah i mean just a just a good looking watch and and it fits the it fits the bill 
that we're that we're looking for a, a watch that I've I'm not heard of that I could buy today. I could I could order this right now and go home, and it might take th- three days before my wife asked, "Hey, what's this?" And I'd show her the watch because it'd probably be on my wrist by that point. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's this watch." <laughs> it was a hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. If it's a hundred thirty-seven bucks, I think you can get away with saying it's hundred bucks. Yeah. And versus it, if it's 185 minutes. That's closer to two. Yeah, that, that rounding happens quickly. <laughs> and the mood that, that occurs from 100 to 149 is so different than a, from 151 to 199. And this one's on on sale, 275 MSRP to 137. I bet you can pick this up for 135 bucks. But what you can say is, it was on sale. It was basically a hundred bucks. It's usually two hundred seventy-five. That's the route I would go with that conversation. That's how it's super I'd frame good that. deal. I couldn't pass. That's how I would frame that. It's usually two hundred seventy-five bucks, but Listen. it's a good-looking watch, and and I mean, I don't know that I would have any complaints about it. It's forty-two millimeters. It's maybe a little big, but that's a pretty standard for a chrono. I mean, it's not gonna be the best. It's not gonna be the best, but that's okay. You you know what do you think about the 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 case back it's got a it, it, well first it's got some pretty nice engraving i i think attractive it's engraving it's got a uh what do you call those things dremel N- no Etcher? uh uh the things you steering wheel a steering wheel yeah it's got a steering wheel on it <laughs> uh it, the the engraving on the case back is nice I, it doesn't look to me like it's probably particularly deep which whatever um it might be like Probably laser etched. Laser, laser etched. I mean. um, but I don't know what I think about the... Uh, it's got four screws that hold the case back in. Um, I, I don't know enough about that. I don't know enough about the the functionality or the physics of that. What I do know is that that most of these higher water resistance case backs are using a, a screw case back. I, I, I've seen this a couple times recently. What, why are companies doing this? Is, that, is there an advantage to it? I, it occurs to me that... It's likely that they're just they're finding that people buy their watch and stop wearing it when the battery dies. So they made it more accessible so they don't have to buy a tool. They just they find a I mean in in all likelihood they find a butter knife because they don't have a screw a jeweler's screwdriver and pop I mean, it off to replace the battery. Screws, you're not going to do that with a butter knife. You can find a way and you're going to fuck it up. Right. <laughs> I mean, I had to come to your house to get a to get a a spanner to replace a screw back for one of my wife's watches. Yeah. I can't remember what it was I was doing recently, but I needed to. Oh, I know what it was. When I had that Emperor Diver prototype in, I uh, was sizing the bracelet, and I didn't have a, a flathead small enough. And I took, I had an old set of Stanley. He mic- probably shouldn't say this. Micro screwdrivers. <laughs> no, I, I did a good job. I, I, I had an old set of Stanley micro screwdrivers, and I uh, took an emery board to one of them and, and shaped the the flathead so it would be small enough. I just sort of ground it on one side and turned it over and ground it on the other side but um you, you know this these tiny screwdrivers are not i mean it seems like it might be more accessible but i don't know that it really is um, it's not less it's it's far more accessible than having to go buy a tool off amazon yeah yeah i i mean bottom line if you if you don't have the ability to change the battery at home take it to fred meyer or walmart or whatever and they're going to be able to they're going to be able to change that thing for 10 bucks I, I think it's just that trip to Walmart or, or, well, maybe Walmart doesn't have a jeweler's counter anymore, but I chose to come to your house and fiddle fuck with a tool over going to Walmart or Fred Meyer. Well, cause I have all that shit. Come on over. I probably have the battery you need too. Did I? No, 
I brought the battery. Oh. I've got also I when I buy batteries for for a watch, I always get them in five, so I have four of them laying around. But that means I have like 50 batteries for watches that some of them I don't even own anymore. Whatever. Whatever. I like it. It's a, a, a No, cool watch, man. Hey, <clears throat> uh, I I think that that's that's the challenge to that's the challenge to doing this thing to trying to find uh, a watch that maybe we haven't heard of, you know, and we're people that are into watches. So, um, you, you know, what about you guys? Are there any watches that, that you guys feel like you, you know, that maybe we don't know or watches that you found in your, um, online searches? Let us know. Uh, we'd love to talk about them because we, we are both really excited to learn about new things. You know, learning about each other's watches was fun for us this week. You know, mm-hmm. Oh man, that's cool. You know, I, I like that. So, so what is it that you have? Let us know. Um, we run a thread on on watchyouseek.com where we basically post our new episodes and, and talk to folks if they have anything to say about the episodes. Also, you can hit us up on Instagram. But what sort of watches that you've never heard of are out there? What are you buying? What are you looking at? Um, we'd love to talk about it. And that would help any of our listeners who are listening for the purpose of getting into watches. We're by no means the experts on helping people get into the into their watch world we're gonna have to leverage your experience on exposing people to the affordable watch world the affordable watch brands and why 175 dollars is a reasonable investment for somebody for a watch well yeah yeah right that i i I think that's that's right on it hey andrew have you ever heard of the trojan city of tania uh, no, but actually, I did just see an article on uh, on something related to the Trojan city of Tania in Greece. Yeah, but you you did see the article. We may be talking about the same article. I didn't. In fairness, I didn't read the whole thing. I just saw that something may or may not have happened regarding a uh, previously legendary city and is now a historical city. So it's been a few weeks now, but uh, there's a there's a city that's been. Of lore. Of lore. Of lore. It was a, a city, I think, at least in, in terms of the the uh, popular mythology, started by prisoners, Trojan prisoners. Like Australia. Called to, exactly. Australia, if you're from Australia. Is that right? I don't know. They say ours at the end. At, like, I don't know, don't they? I, my, my grandma used to say worse the clothes. I say used to. My grandma's still alive, so she still says worse the clothes. Gross. Is that a Midwest thing, Warsh? No, I had a first grade teacher who said uh, Washington. She's born and raised in Oregon. Washington. Gross. Where does that come from? What is that? What is that? I've always told people, because um, I spent a lot of time in the South and with people are, like who were from the South, I have always uh, said that outside of the Willamette Valley of Portland from like, or of over Oregon from Portland to Eugene, outside of that is Appalachia. Um, you will not, you, you could meet folk from Eastern Oregon and not differentiate them from folks from West Virginia. Um, and it takes them coming here and meeting those people to realize that Oregon is every bit as rural as the Bible Belt and Appalachia. Appalachia? Appalachia? All right. I, I think Warsh is an affectation. I don't think it's an accent, but um, how do we get there? Um, I don't know. We're talking about Tania. Well, they found this place. So there's an archaeologist who back in the 80s um, 
found a a, a piece of a piece of a town and, and she thought I, I think this might be Tania and, and she published uh, an article and uh, started doing research on what might be this lost Trojan city of Tania her name's Elena Korka I don't know if I'm saying that right or not frankly I, I'm not in, inclined to care much we're also bad at pronunciation especially Andrew uh, but since the mid eighties or so, she's been looking for this place. They think they found it. So I think 2013, they started doing research. Uh, th- there's a number of articles uh, or 2013 or so. They started actually digging in the place that they thought it might be. And, and they think they found it. So I, I think it, what they found so far is about a 620 square meter area that they've narrowed down that might be this place. 620 square meters doesn't sound like a lot to me. Not to be a city. I mean, it's like uh, like the size of a bank. I mean, I guess. Wow. <laughs> bank square footage. It's probably about 620-ish. Uh, so they found this place. It, they think maybe it was kind of a wealthy place. Um, if their bank is 620 square meters, yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, I, I've, I read a couple articles on this. I'll probably post one or two of them. Uh, it's interesting. It's super interesting. If you're into archaeology, if you're into old uh, old Greek things, maybe or, check it out. Or any archaeology. I was reading a paper, it's been a year or so, where they were charting the um, expansion of Vikings. And they mm-hmm. were looking for Viking cities in the Atlantic coast of Canada. And they, they were pretty confident at, at the time I read this article that they had discovered um, temporary settlements in Canada of, of Viking expansion. And that's such a fascinating topic to, to be able to unearth cultural expansion throughout the world. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if I had been smarter or, or more diligent, maybe I'd be a scientist, but I was neither smart or diligent. So. Samesies. I'm a, I know podcast about watches. Yeah, that's the, the peak of my existence. So we're we're talking about other things, I guess, at this point, right? Yeah. The other thing, the other other thing that popped up for me this week, uh, I, I, again, I don't think this is a new article, but it kind of hit home for me. There's a website, Polygon.com. If you haven't checked it out, you should. It's a cool sort of other things type of website. They always have interesting stuff. Um, but this is an article. It's an interview with a man named Joe Murray. Joe Murray was the creator of Rocco's Modern Life. Ooh. Which was a cartoon that was near and dear to my heart as a child. And mine. Rocco's Modern Life was one of these uh, cartoons that, you know, before uh, before South Park or, or you know, these, these really sort of modern, irreverent cartoons, Rocco's Modern Life was a true kids show, right? Where uh, a, a eight, nine, ten year old could watch it, um, but also an adult could watch it and gain appreciation. That the the writing in it was was advanced enough that I've gone back now as an adult and watched Rocco's Martin Life and been able to re- relate to humor and and even you know I, I think Rocco's Martin Life is kind of like Ren and Stimpy in in the in the way that it gets appreciated. In retrospect as being mm-hmm. kind of irreverent or um tongue-in-cheek adult scandalous humor um 
but but it was good it was good even for an eight or nine year old who didn't know what the heck they were talking about it's an interview on poly.com with uh joe murray who created that allegra frank wrote the article i don't know if she also did the interview or not but uh discussing the sort of early days of nickelodeon the irreverence uh ren and stimpy rocco's modern life what they were doing super cool article we'll put we'll put some notes in the show notes uh really fun what about you I mean, we already talked about my fly rod hunt. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I, like we talked about, I'm looking for a salmon steelhead rod. So that's about it. I'm Echo Fly Rods, people. Yeah. Seriously, such a cool company. They've, they've, that's, that's been the, the big gravitational force in my hunt. And I, hey, I anything use a lot from, of, anything from Reddington that's popped up? I've, I've obviously looked at a lot of Reddington. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for some reason, keep circling back to, the echo line and i i use a lot of cabela's stuff and we've talked about this is between cabela's brand and rei brand you can do damn near anything that's true Um, and and both those companies are are so diligent about making sure they're only putting their names their brands on really mm -hmm. fairly high quality you you know i I think i've had uh rei rain shells i've had eddie bauer rain shells patagonia what's the other one what's the poor man's patagonia Marmot, 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 yeah. I've had rain shells from all four of those companies. Uh, they they all have performed relatively the same, but the REI was thirty percent cheaper or so than any of the rest of them. And you get the dividend. And, and you get the dividend. And, and I think Cabela's does the same exact thing. Less dividend. There's been some changes since Bass Pro acquired them, but I mean, the, between those two brands, you can do almost anything i've i've not felt limited by any of my rei co-op or any of my cabela's brand stuff co-op 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 sounds like a dance it is a good dance go have you seen it i'm about to do it right now um any of my rei co-op uh <laughs> products or any of my cabela's products uh the fly rod i use right now is one of the cabela's branded mm-hmm. uh trout rods and i've not it's super good rod i like it it's fun to fish i've not felt limited by any of this no. stuff that they that they put their their label on so um moving away from a cabela's uh brand has been a, almost discomforting for me uh, but i'm trying to branch out and been like i said echo has been been kind of the hub of my search i go out and i find another one and i look and i look and i look and i research and i hunt the same way i did for this yeah uh and and keep finding my way back to echo and i think that's probably a purchase here in the next couple weeks i think echo comes in just slightly above cabela's or you you know we i brought up reddington i think reddington competes really directly with with cabela's reddington does things a little bit differently than cabela's does um but i think their products usually line up really closely Mm. I, i think echo comes in just a little bit above I, I think so too, and I, I think that's evident in the way that consumers talk about them, and that's really where what's driving mine is at least my my consumer reviews is Echo seems to have the edge right now, and I ultimately I think that's kind of where my I think my mind's made up, and I was coming to you for some reassurance, um, but I yeah I think I think Echo's got my mind made up. All right, man, you got anything else today? I think that's it. I don't know if we've gone long or not. I'm still looking at this Jack Mason, but... I still want to talk about the 1972. Do it. Let's talk about it. So so the only other thing I want to talk about before we go, uh, and we have been trying to... I have been trying to talk about this thing for... Well, since like episode three, where we went long and didn't have any other things, but... Um, and, and I actually don't even know when you're going to hear this, but... 
The Dan Henry 1972. Dan Henry is a company that we like very much. A, f- a friend of 40 and 20, even if they don't know it. He doesn't know it yet, but he is. He's he, our friend. He's we our like friend. him. He's our friend. Dan, you're our friend. Dan Henry 1972. This is a reissue. Not a reissue. This is an homage to the Porsche Orfina, the original Porsche Orfina chronograph. And it is, mm. in my mind, the most exciting watch that's come out in 2019, 2018. I suspect for me, unless something really fucking cool comes out, it'll be the most exciting watch for all of 2019. It's a tweener. It's between. It's 2018. Don't. Recovering, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to give it to you. Okay. So, look. This is this is an homage to the original Porsche Ophina. Uh, oh, that's not it. That's a 1939. Also a good looking watch. There we go. This is an homage mm. to the original Porsche Orfina. You know, Porsche Orfina is Porsche Design is a company that is kind of weird, right? Porsche makes cars. Everybody knows what a Porsche 911 is, um, but Porsche Design is a is a company that is dedicated specifically to designing things like watches or or other tools that you might use. It's not it's not the car company. They came out with their original watch in 1972, and they, these watches are not cheap. You cannot find an original Porsche Orfino for probably less than about five grand, maybe three grand. Um, Dan Henry, in his infinite wisdom, has made an homage to these, and they nailed it. They nailed it. Yeah. So the one thing I've always hated, not hated, the one thing that's always sort of, uh, let me put it this way. The thing that's kept me from purchasing a Dan Henry watch is their use of vintage loom. Every single watch, it seems like, that Dan Henry's ever come out with has vintage loom. I think that the 64s are better in that regard. But they still have this really sort of vintage look to them. When Dan Henry announced these 72s, they have both a stainless white loom version as well as a DLC or PVD vintage loom version. Um the the dlc version is actually true to the original that that original came out i think it might have been the first ever black watch that was that was mass marketed feel free to Um, correct us if we're wrong yeah feel free to correct us um dan henry has come out with this both in a dlc vintage loom version and a regular stainless white loom version and i'll be damned if that stainless steel white loom version isn't the coolest watch that came out in 2018 350 bucks they're not a ton of money that's 350 bucks is a reach for some folks uh a reach for some folks it's sort of in the sort of middle range of of what i might think about buying i i think this is it man it it's gonna it's a chronograph alarm you know dan henry's known for his use of mecha quartz not a mecha quartz this is a regular quartz chronograph but it's got an alarm function uh, it's got an indication for the alarm function. It's got this beautiful sandwich dial, sapphire crystal. It's just a beautiful watch. 41 millimeters, 20 millimeter lugs. It does have hooded lugs, so you're going to be able to stick just about anything in there and make it beautiful. I will say this H-Link bracelet is pretty great. Uh, I sort of wish the second hand on the stainless was red also. Mm. And you know that's uh, maybe something you could take up with Dan. You know, I, next I time you're hanging out. Hey Dan, do you think you can make a forty and twenty specific <laughs> stainless 
with oh, a red second hand. When do you think that's going to happen? When do you think we're going to have our first 40 and 20, uh, like, branded? When we go to Undone and make one? Yeah. Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> that it's... might be the first and last. You Ooh, no. cross market with us. We have 140 Instagram followers. We are basically influencers. We're basically Ryan Gosling. Yeah. 140. I checked it earlier today. We... <laughs> I'm checking right now. This watch is freaking cool, man. Uh, freaking cool. You want to hear the current count? What is it? 142. 142, we gained two followers. Look, we are Instagram movers and shakers. And so, you know, you want to come in, cross market with us, Mr. Henry. Uh, we got you. We got you. This is it, though, dude. This is the watch. I'm buying this watch. I don't think I'm going to buy another watch before I buy this one. I probably will. I actually think that this is the one, like, this is one of the first watches that I've seen. The last one that, the last watch that I felt this way about was the HKED 1963, where mm. I was like, I can't do anything else before I get this watch. Um, it, yeah, this is, this is it. For for me, this is my next watch. So I need to put some money away. And get it. And get it. I need to put some money away and get it. I love it. I love yeah. it. I'm going to get the stainless version. I like the white loom. The the vintage loom, the vintage loom is nice, and, and that black, the whole DLC setup is good, and and every once in a while I feel this kind of, but at end of the day it's stainless. I'm doing it. Yeah, I um, I don't, I don't, I I feel the same way. the The black case just doesn't doesn't call to me yet. All right, man. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? I think it's time. All right, well. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Cloud of incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.